we're going to compare the ark with Noah and the person of Noah. We're going to look at him because we want to understand something. Oftentimes we think faith is good enough on its own to get us to heaven. I have faith and I believe. Well, the demons do that according to James. So that's not enough to get us to heaven. But we're going to see something, I believe, in Genesis chapter 6, 7, and 8. Those are the three chapters we're going to be pulling nuggets out of. To see what God provides in the ark and compare that with Jesus Christ, who I believe is our ark in a sense. And if I lose you, there's nothing wrong after service saying, Pastor Brown, explain this to me. And if I can't explain it, I'll send you to Pastor Melvin. And uh, one of us will explain it to you. But before I start, I want to introduce you to something that a lot of us sometimes don't carry anymore. This is the complete Bible. All 66 books written in a Chinese language. It was one of the ways that missionaries, in a sense, took the Bible into China, into Iraq, into many places where you could not take a Bible. Because this here was easy to just stick in a book And as their suitcases or whatever were searched, most likely this would not be found. And this is what really started going into China and a lot of the Muslim countries as a Bible. And it is the complete Bible, the complete Word of God. Now, understand something. That is what we use here the Bible, because it's the most important book that we could ever possess. It teaches us about life, eternal life, everlasting life. It teaches us about ourselves, but most of all, it teaches us about the God who desires us to spend eternity with him. So let's pray and we're going to dig into Noah and we're going to do this comparison. We're going to look at his character and we're going to see God at work. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for your loving kindness unto us. And we thank you, Lord, for keeping us from day to day. You're the one, oh God, who ministers to us. Whether we are saved or unsaved, whether we believe or don't believe, we all breathe the air that you provide. We are all kept under your mercy. And Lord, we are a people created by you. You have given us all life. And Lord, we thank you for that. Would you help us, Lord, to appreciate what you have done on our behalf? Would you help us to be men and women of God? Would you help us, Lord, to desire to do 
what is right? Would you help us, O oh God, to run after you? There are times in our life, Lord, we no longer really want to seek your face. We don't want to run after you. We don't really want to know anything about you. But, oh God, would you put it in our hearts to love you, to seek you, to want to know more of you? Lord, you have to do that work. You have to do a work in our lives, in all of our lives. And, Lord, I thank you that, Lord, you're still working. And he who has begun a good work in us, he will continue it until the day of Christ. He will continue to work in our lives until we see Christ face to face. Lord, bless, I pray. And this morning, Lord, speak to our hearts. Somehow, Lord, draw us into a room with you. Close the door. And let it be a one-on-one session with you. May you minister to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we get ready to start here, and I better get myself ready to go, is that Noah is one of those characters that, after many years of hearing the word, makes a decision, really, to live for the Lord. And a lot of us, sometimes we hear the word and we fade away. We hear the word, we know the word, but yet, for some reason, we find ourselves fading away. And we have to come to a place where that we are willing, I can't hear you, junior church, you got junior church, you ain't got junior church. And Tyler got junior too. Y'all better get to junior church. Those, what's the age group? 99 to what? <laughs> Any of the young people who desire to go to junior church? Oh, you got a treat with Miss Tyler. Oh, that's a miracle in work. Oh, let me see if I can find where I'm going to here this morning. And we have to understand that here we are, we are believing in Jesus. We're trusting Jesus. Are you going to come up? Thank you. And when you trust Jesus, you are in an unsinkable ship in a sense. You're in the ark. And by being in the ark, the ark was made in such a way that it was not going to sink. And for the Christian who is in Jesus Christ, you cannot fail, you cannot sink unless Jesus goes down. Unless Jesus goes down. If Jesus doesn't go down, You stay above water. You are able to stay above water. Because you are in Christ Jesus. Now that's an important part to really look at. Am I in Christ? Was Noah in the ark? And you have to understand 
When God placed Noah in the ark, everything was there for him. God had provided everything for him there in the ark. In Jesus Christ, everything is provided for us. Everything is provided for us if we're in Christ. Now, we think faith alone will get us into heaven, and it won't. Faith alone will not save us. Faith by itself is just a wishing well. It is faith that produces obedience. Obedience brings about righteousness. My righteous action through obedience unto God. When you see somebody or hear somebody that says, I have faith, but they're not obedient to God, question that faith. Because faith always brings about, biblical faith always brings about obedience that brings about righteousness or righteous action that takes place and follows. We're going to see that with Noah. It is our obedience and faith that God responds to. A lot of times we ask the question, why isn't God doing this in my life? Why isn't God doing that in my life? Why isn't God helping me to overcome this? Why isn't God providing this? My question to you is this. Are you being a faithful believer and are you obeying him? And is your heart set on doing the right thing? And when faith, obedience, and righteousness is lined up, you'll see God work in a magnificent way. But it takes those three things, your faith, your obedience, and a willingness to do right. Why? Because God will not do wrong. God will not do wrong. There's no sin in God. And man can never say that God tempts him with sin. God doesn't. There has to be a heart to do right and a wanting to do what is right. And when you put those three things together on the same line, your faith, your obedience, and your right action or righteousness, you'll see God respond to it. Now, in Genesis 4.26, it says, Men begin to call on God. Men begin to call on the name of the Lord. Then we get into Genesis 6, and it says, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness is. Now, understand this. You're talking about hundreds of years between Genesis 4.26 and Genesis 6. You're talking about hundreds of years that have passed where men were at one time calling upon the name of the Lord and then it begins to cease. It's like America. There was a time we were a people who called on God and now we barely hear the name of God. It's disappearing. There's a 
lackadaisiness about it. And we're not calling on that name that is above every name. We're not crying out to God any longer. We become self-sufficient people in a sense that we no longer need God. So when we look at that verse 5 in Genesis chapter 6, look what it says there. Boy, let me get right there to it. The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. Catch that word, had become. Because that was not the way it always was. Up again in 4 and 26 it says, At that time men began to call on the name of the Lord. There were men calling on the name of the Lord. And that ceases. That stops. And then wickedness begins to take place. And he says, boy, the Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become. And that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. All the time. In other words, there was no thought. There was no time for God. There was no thought about righteousness. The only thought was about wickedness and evil and doing what is wrong. And God's decision is to destroy all life. To destroy all life. God says he will wipe mankind from the face of the earth in verse 7. And he will wipe mankind from the face of the earth. So he says then in 7, So the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I have created from the face of the earth, men and animals and creatures that move along the ground and birds of the air. For I am grieved that I have made them. But then when you see verse 8, you find this individual who does not go along with the crowd, that does not go along with the world whose name is Noah. He's different. And if you're going to be a Christian, you have to be different from the world. You have to decide that you're willing to live a different life than what is portrayed in the world if you're really going to be a Christian. And that's a decision that each one of us have to make. It's easy to say, I'm a Christian. It's easy to say, boy, yeah, I believe in God. It's easy. And Mr. Calhoun used to say, talk is cheap. What is your life saying? And Noah's life then speaks of his belief in this God. Does your life speak? of the belief that you have in God? Or does your life speak of the belief you have in yourself and humanity? So he says this about Noah in verse 8. But Noah found favor. That's the first time we see the word, in a sense, grace in the Old Testament. 
the word favor is also translated grace. And God extends grace to Noah, saying grace is that Noah is not perfect, but Noah is different from the rest. He's not perfect. Noah has his faults. Let's understand that. We all have our faults. Pastor Brown has his faults. Pastor Brown's still working on his short list of sins. Pastor Brown is still trying to get his thoughts together. Pastor Brown's trying to work on what he should be as a man of God in Christ, as we all are. And it says, Noah found favor, grace. And it goes on and he says in that verse 8, why? But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This is the account of Noah. Noah was righteous. Noah was righteous. Was a righteous man. Blameless among the people of his time. Look who he's comparing him to. People of who? Of his time. And he says, and he walked with God. There's the difference. He walked with God. How many of men could say you're walking with God? You're really walking with God. You're putting a good effort in walking and keeping up with God. And that's hard. That's discipline. If you're a man of God, you are a man who is disciplining his life in order to stay in step with God and to follow him. You're under self-discipline because God never makes you. God never forces you. It's something that you have to want to do in being a godly man or a godly woman, that you're willing to discipline yourself to be pleasing in his sight. And he says, and he walked with God. And I want you to understand that, that again, Noah is not perfect, but he found grace in God. Turn over with me to Hebrews chapter 11, and let's see what it says about Noah in chapter 11 of Hebrews in verse 7. Because it's important that we get a good picture of this man. Verse 7, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7. He says, and this is strange here. He says, by faith. By faith. See, it starts with faith. And he says, by faith, Noah... When warned about things not yet seen. Warned about things not yet seen. Now just think of things that the Bible may speak about that you have not yet what? Seen. Think of heaven. You have not yet seen. Think of angels that you have not yet what? Seen. And think of the Lord Jesus Christ, who you have not yet seen. Yet he believed. 
yet he believed. And it says, by faith, when warned about things not yet seen. Now I want you to think with me with Noah. What is it that Noah had not seen? Noah had never seen a boat. Yet he's being told to build a boat, to build an ark. Noah had never seen that. Noah had never seen rain. He saw mist. But Noah had never seen rain, rain, day and night, day and night. Noah never heard rain on his rooftop. Have you ever been in the house and you can hear the rain hitting so hard on the outside? Noah never experienced that. Noah never seen water running down the street. Noah never seen water that would pick a car up and have it floating down the street. Noah never seen the destruction of a flood. And yet, he is asked to believe that it's going to rain. Something he's never seen. And to build something he's never seen. To be caught up in something that he's never experienced before called a flood. He believed God. He believed God. That's what set Noah against the world and against the people of his time is that he believed God. He just didn't believe in God. He believed God. You catch the difference? People can believe in a God and not follow him. Noah believed in God and followed him. And he says there in that verse 7, by faith, by faith Noah, when warned about things yet not seen, in holy fear built an ark for this purpose, to save his family. By his faith, now catch this, by his faith, he condemned the world. How? Whenever you do what is right, you condemn the person who does the wrong. They see the right. Now they have to make a decision. Will they do what is right or will they continue to do what? What is wrong? So they cannot say they've never seen the right when they stand before God. So Noah did what is right and in doing what is right, he condemned the rest of the world because he believed God when the rest of the world would not believe God. And by his belief, by his faith, by his action, he condemns the rest of the world. As a believer, when you live for God, 
you condemn everything under Islam. When you live for God, you condemn everything under Buddha. When you live for God, I don't care what you want to put the title or name upon. When you live for the Lord Jesus Christ, you condemn everything else. And he says that by his faith, by his faith, he condemned the world. And because heir of the righteous, that comes by faith. How does righteousness come? By faith. When you truly believe in God, I don't care what you're doing now, what your habits may have been, what your past life may have been, there is a slow correction that begins to take place where you no longer live in the wrong, but you live in righteousness. Now, Noah never seen the rain, the flood, or an ark. So in Genesis 9, yes, he says he walked with God. Now look at 622 with me. Just take a look at this walk. 622. Look what it says. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Noah is walking with God. He's obedient to God. Go to verse 5 in chapter 7. Look what he says. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Go into verse 9. Male and female came to Noah and entered the ark as God had commanded Noah. Noah didn't have to go out there, but Noah had to wait for what? For the animals to come to him. He wasn't going out there collecting two by two by two. No, he just had to wait and God led the animals to Noah. Now, two witnesses here. What are the two witnesses for a dying world? Follow me in thought on this. One is the action of Noah building the ark, going into the ark, believing God. What's the second action? All the animals, in a sense, stop fighting each other and going against each other and they start heading for this ark. Now all these unbelieving people see this. If you were to see something like that, let me ask you this question. How would you respond? So there are two things that are witnessing to this world at this time. Noah and the animals who are not acting normally as they would act, being in obedience, going to this strange boat and going up and entering it. Both of those are witnesses to a humanity that says something different is happening. 
Now understand today, there are things that are happening that we don't fully understand. But are you ignoring them or are you watching them? A couple of weeks ago I was praying and I was asking the Lord about Israel and the Palestinians. And I said, Lord, <clears throat> if the Palestinians defeat the Israelites and they lose their statehood and they lose their nation, and I know in prophecy that it says that should not happen. And I said, Lord, where in your word would you tell me that that will never happen? And boy, a couple weeks later, he takes me to Jeremiah 31, 35. And he says, as long as the sun shines and as long as the moon shines and as long as the stars come out, Israel will always be a state. And I'm saying to myself, Lord, the moon's not going to disappear. The sun's not going to disappear. The stars aren't going to disappear. That settled that question. Israel will always be in the land that they're in right now, as you have promised. And it's written in your word that they will never be put out of that nation again until you come. God's word will answer us if we stay in the word. And Genesis chapter 8, 15 and 18, look at those. In verse 15, then God said to Noah, come out of the ark. Now understand, it was God who also told Noah to do what? Go into the ark. And Noah was obedient to it. He went in and he came out. Only at the direction of God. He went in and he comes out. Now drop down into verse 18 and he says, Noah came out together with his sons and his wife. Noah comes out. Can we see scripture in the life of Noah? And that's what we have to ask. Do we see God's word being fulfilled in the life of Noah? Now understand this. Paul says you are our written epistles. That if you really are saved, people should be able to see scripture being applied to your life and activated in your life. God's word is not a dead word. It's a living word. And it lives in his people. And that the world should be able to see us living out God's word. And the whole issue is that with Noah, we're seeing Noah live out God's word. And he comes out when God says, come out. And if you are saved, we should be able to see scripture being active in your life if you're really saved. Now, in Genesis 6.14, he says unto Noah, build an ark. I imagine Noah may have said to God, what's an ark? What's a boat? But he's told to do it. And in obedience... Noah does it. God tells him exactly how to do it. So in that verse 14, he says, So make yourself an ark of cypress wood. In King James, it says gopher wood. And he says, Make rooms in it and coat it with pitch, inside and out. 
If you look at Exodus chapter 2, verse 3, you will find that Moses was put into a basket and it was to be tarred and pitched. It guarantees no leaks. It makes it very secure that no water gets in. And in the ark that he's going to place Noah, Noah would be secure from all the elements outside the boat. And Noah's life would not be in danger because he's where? In the boat. And the boat is not going to leak, is not going to sink. Now follow me just for a moment here. God says, put pitch on it. This is the only place where the word pitch goes back to the root word in Hebrew that means atonement. It's not used anywhere else but other than here in Genesis and in Exodus where he says pitch is the atonement. What is the atonement? It is the covering of Christ of our sins. And he's covering the boat inside and outside from the dangers of the elements outside the boat. That when we're in Jesus Christ, in the atonement that has been pitched, we are safe from all the elements of the world. But we have to be in Jesus Christ. And we are secure because he says, make the boat secure. Make it safe. Make it where it's unsinkable because of what's going to be taking place on the outside. And that word atonement is that God himself has paid the price for our sin. He has covered our debt, our sin. And what God then does, he protects the life that he gives you when you enter into Christ. When you accept Christ as your personal Savior, God puts something around you that's all pitched. That water can't leak in. There's no damage to your life. And he keeps you safe because you have entered in by what? By faith. Catch this about the ark. There was no helm in the ark. There was no way for Noah to guide the ark. There was no steering wheel there. Who guided the ark? God did. Understand something. When you enter into Jesus Christ, you give full control of your life over to who? Jesus Christ. And he guides you. He guides you through the storms of life. He guides you through the dangers of life. He keeps you safe while he guides you and orders and controls your life. Because you're in him. And in the ark, there was no steering wheel. There was no way for Noah to guide it. Only thing Noah could do was trust and have faith in God. And when we're in Jesus Christ, all we can do, whether we're going through cancer, whether we're going through this, whether we're going through that, no matter what's going on in this world, all we can do is have faith in God that he has provided all that we have need of in Jesus Christ. And in the ark was everything that 
Noah and the animals had need of. But catch this. Nowhere in scripture do you find that God forced Noah into the ark. Noah simply obeyed God when God said, come in. Come in. In the ark of salvation of Jesus Christ, all God is saying is, come in. But who has to make the decision to come in? We do. We do. And when we make that decision to come in, all the walls are pitched and it's safe in Jesus Christ. Noah was safe in the ark. He was safe in the place that God ordained for him to be. He's safe. And we need to understand that. Now, Jesus is our secure place. And Jesus says in 18.9, Father, I have lost none that you've given unto me. And everybody who went in the ark came out of the ark. They were safe. They were safe. And when you're in Jesus Christ, you're safe. Yes, you're going to feel the waves. You're going to feel the storm outside. Yes, you're going to go up and down. And yes, you may have a turnaround. Yes, you'll have all the little problems. Because you're, you, you don't have the steering wheel. But you're going to feel all the emotional parts of the ups and downs of the waves and the drops of the wave. Yes, you're going to hear the water hitting up against the side. But you're safe. You're safe. You're safe. In the place that God has prepared for you. Now the question may come, and oftentimes it does come, why the ark? Why Jesus? Why didn't God do it some other way? God built something that Noah or the people of that time knew nothing about. A boat. An ark that would float. He built it and he prepared a place for them to enter into if they chose to do so. And they would be safe. And we're going to talk about that, them choosing. God sent his son into the world to die for us. To save us. To keep us safe. Why? That was God's choice to build an ark to save people. God's choice to send Jesus Christ to save people. Now I can stand outside and argue all day long and drown. Or I can go in. It's a choice we have to make in which direction we will go. And Jesus said, I've lost none. And the word pitch we went through means atonement, to cover. And he did that. God is the one who locks the door. Go to Genesis 7, 16 with me and look what he says. The animals going in were male and female of every living thing. 
as God had commanded. Then the Lord shut the door. Catch that. The Lord shut the door. Adam didn't have control of opening the door. It was locked from the outside. Adam couldn't go out whenever he wanted to. Adam wouldn't leave out until God called him out. Why is it that God locks the door? When you look over in Genesis chapter 5 and verse 30, after Noah was born, Lamech lived 595 years and had other sons and daughters. Noah is the oldest. He's safe from the storm and the elements outside. Noah, knowing what brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews and other family members might have to suffer through because they're not in the ark, what might he do? Try to open the door and let them in. But if he opens the door and try to let them in, it's like trying to open a car door when it's flooded by water. What happens? All the water rushes in. And those who were supposed to be saved also may wind up being what? Lost. And understand the emotional roller coaster that Noah went through. Hearing his brothers and sisters, maybe, his nieces, his nephews, yelling for help. But God locked the door, knowing the love for his children, the love for his family. He may try to do what? Open the door. Catch this now. Just like Noah had to accept and believe God, every one of our family members have to do what? Accept and believe God for themselves. God's inviting. They have to respond. And there's nothing you can do but other, other than pray for them. Hold them up before the Lord. Beseeching God to give them a willing heart to be obedient unto him and to come in. Now there's something strange here too. Before God locked the door, he gives a little time Notice, again, 710. See if we can pick it up. Noah entered the ark as God had commanded Noah. Now look at verse 10 very closely. And after the seven days, the floodwaters came on the earth. After seven days... Noah's already in the ark. 
He's in the ark for seven days. The door is left open for, in a sense, seven days. And it's seven days before it will start raining. It is God's will that none would perish. And God gives a time period for people to make up their mind to believe him over something they've never seen and come into the ark. They've seen Noah go into the ark. They've seen the animals go into the ark. Something strange here. What's my decision? And God waits for seven days for them to make a decision. Go to Second Peter chapter 3 and let's see it again. Always let scripture explain scripture. It's good that men can talk about scripture, but you want scripture to always explain scripture. The word of God will always make clear the word of God. And we always want to use scripture to understand scripture. Not man's word. Don't take my word. Take these verses, go home, look at them again, look them up in the Hebrew, get a concordance, follow them through, see what the root word is. Study it out. And in Second Peter 3, 3 through 9. Let's start there. First of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desire. What does man do? Follow their own evil desires. What were the people doing in the day of Noah? Following their own evil desire. What did God find in their heart? Nothing but evil. Because they're following what? Their own evil desires. They don't have an ear to hear God. And following their own evil desires. Verse 4. They will say, where is his coming? Talking about the second coming of Christ. Where, we've been saying he's coming. Where is he coming? We've been saying it was going to rain. Over a hundred years while Noah's building the ark. We're saying it's going to rain. When when is it going to rain? I've never seen rain. He said people will laugh. And I imagine they did laugh at Noah. And I imagine people will laugh at Christians saying Christ is coming back. He says he promised. Ever since the father died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. And that's what was happening in Noah's day. They never seen rain. They they felt the mist, but they never seen a pour down. They never seen a flood. Verse five, but they deliberately forget the long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. By these waters also the world that time was the urge. It was flooded. It was covered with water. Deluged. Completely covered. Deluged and destroyed. 
by water. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire. He just tells us there, the next time this earth is destroyed, won't be by water. It'll be by fire. It'll be by fire. Being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Now what Moses, what Noah had a hard time dealing with was this. All these people out here are ungodly. And that same question comes to the Christian. What is it that makes you saved and the rest of us unsaved? And yet Matthew says the road to destruction is wide. And the road to eternal life is narrow and few shall find it. And the Bible never says the majority of the people will go to heaven. It says just the opposite. The majority of the people will go to hell because they do not believe. Destruction of ungodly men. But do not forget this one thing, dear friend. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. So as some understand slowness, he is patient. The seven days before God locked that door and before the rain came, what was demonstrated for seven days was God's patience. Was God's patience. And what's being demonstrated today is God's patience. Why? He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He's given time for repentance. He's given time. Yes, you can look at things. You can study it. You can see it and ask yourself some questions. But there has to be a decision that is made. And a lot of us, we don't make a decision about eternity. We don't make a decision about who God is. We don't make a decision whether we're going to really walk with God. We don't make that decision. We say we are Christians, but sometimes it's just by word. It's not by action. And Matthew 7.13 tells you about the broad road and the narrow road. God told Noah when to go into the ark and he told Noah also when to come out of the ark. Now I want you to look at something here with me. It's so important to understand being in Christ and Noah being in the ark. Look at Genesis 8.13. Catch this picture. Because it shows man and man's action. That man wants to do his thing. He says in that verse 13, he says, Noah, come on out of the boat. So Noah came out of the boat in 18. Now look at verse 13. By the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year, 
the water had dried up from the earth. And Noah then removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. Go back up. Why don't you go back up to verse 3 with me? Two things. The water receded steadily from the earth. At the end of the 150 days, Noah was in that ark close to six months, if you take the 150 days for the water to subside, secede, and then the extra days that Noah had to wait for the ground to get dry, Noah was in that ark for six months. Oh boy. Verse 4. And on the 17th day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest on the mountain of Ararat. It came to rest there. But because it was resting, it was not time to come out of the ark. But when we come down into verse 18, so Noah came out of the ark. This is man now. The moment we would have saw dry land, we would have been out of the ark. After being locked up for six months, and I see some dry land, and I can party, and I can get out there and do my thing, I'm gone. And Noah stayed right in the ark. Jesus Christ tells us in John, remain where? In me. Not about what you see out here. Not about what you think about it. You wait until I tell you to come out. Now understand, because this is so important, stay with me. Why we are on planet Earth, why we are in this world, we need to be secure in Jesus Christ. But when Jesus Christ, that ark that is carrying us, reach heaven, we're out of Christ. Why? Because in heaven, there's no sin. In heaven, there's no temptation of sin. In heaven, there's no Satan. In heaven, I am safe. And I can come out of Jesus Christ. I can come out of the ark. But I don't come out until he tells me to come out. And God says to him, come out. Why? It's safe now. The water has seceded. It's safe for you and your family to come out. When I'm in heaven, I no longer need a Savior. When I'm in heaven, I no longer need a sanctifier. When I'm in heaven, I no longer need a justifier. When I reach heaven, I am safe. But until that time, 
I need Jesus. Why? Because that's what God has provided for me to enter into and be safe from the evilness of this world, from the God of this world, from the fiery darks of Satan in this world. I'm in this world. I'm in Jesus. Outside of Jesus, I'm acceptable to all of the problems of this world, all of the pains and the hurts of this world, all the lies and deceptiveness of the enemy, Satan. But in Jesus, I'm safe. In Jesus, I'm safe. And when I reach heaven, come out, and I can run all over God's heaven and have no fear, have no sin, no temptation, no problems that I have here. The ark that God made for Noah is very similar to the ark that I enter into in Jesus Christ who carries me from this place to heaven. To heaven. And he says, come out. One more point and I'm done. It says that Noah built an altar. First time we really read about an altar. First time reading about a boat, first time reading about rain, first time that grace is really mentioned in the word favor and God providing. What do you think he was doing at that altar? What do you think he was doing with the sacrifice that he was making? And it was from some of the, and scripture is very clear, from the clean animals that were on the boat that he sacrificed. When you go through a storm and you lose control of your car or you're on ice and somehow you get by two or three cars without hitting them, what do you say? When you go through danger and you get through the danger, what do you say? When you go to man's courtroom and the judge is merciful and you know the penalty could have been this or that, but he says, you're free and you walk out of the courtroom, what do you say? Think about what Noah went through with the flood. Trusting God. And yet, one day, stepping out on dry land and knowing many of other people had perished. But he and his family steps out on dry land. He builds an altar. And Noah is saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. For what you bought me through. See, unless you're really in Jesus Christ, 
and have ridden through the storms. There's not much thankfulness in you. But if you really take account, as the old song says, count your many blessings. Count them how? One by one. All you can do is say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. That's all we're able to say is thank you. Father, we do thank you and praise you, Lord, that you have provided for us an ark in Jesus Christ. And that, Lord, you remind us in John to remain in the vine, to remain in him, to stay in him. And yes, Lord, there will be that day that will come that we no longer be in the ark because we will be safe in that place where you would have us to be in heaven with you. But until that day come, Lord, would you help us to be faithful? Would you help us to be obedient? Would you help us, O oh God, to desire to do righteous? to do the right thing, to take the right action, and to walk with you by faith, not by our sight, not by our own understanding, but by faith. We obey you and do what is right. And we see you working in our lives because of our faith in thee. And how you have provided, like you provided for Noah in the ark. All his provisions was in the ark. All of our provisions and all we have need of is in Jesus Christ. Let us not walk away from him. Let us not leave him. But like Noah, may we be obedient and walk into him. And if you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, all you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I'm taking my step and coming into your life. Come into my life. And Lord, let's be one. And I'm willing to follow after you, Lord Jesus. I'm willing to follow after you. I'm willing to walk after you. Because I understand you're all, you're all, you're all I have need of. And I thank you. Minister to us, Lord. Would you speak to every heart? Let us not, Lord, escape from your presence but help us to escape from the dangers of this world. And we'll give you the praise and we'll give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay.